The subject that we've chosen for today is the inner working of God's Holy Spirit. And with that subject comes such topics as God's Spirit. Is God, is the Holy Spirit of God a trinity? Or is that fake and false? Is that a false doctrine put upon the church or the churches of this world uh, by Satan the devil? Because this is a doctrine that is held by most churches professing to follow the Bible on the subject. And yet they're not because they've been deceived. And we're going to talk also about the power of God and the power that God has made, made available to his people. And who are his people? Those who know him. And how do we know him? Because we obey him. And this is what the scriptures teach us over and over again. A good understanding of all those who keep his commandments. And that begins with the Sabbath day. In keeping the Sabbath day and obeying all of God's commandments and seeking him, God identifies those who belong to him. Because there are many who claim to belong to God, and yet they say, well, we don't need to keep the Sabbath day. And because of that, and disobedience of the other commandments, because they believe they've done away with God, says through Christ, depart from me. I don't know you who work iniquity. And you can find that in the book of Matthew. We also want to concentrate on the word workmanship, because in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we're told by the Apostle Paul that we are God's workmanship. God is doing something within us. And where does the story begin? Well, the story begins, doesn't it, right back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And we turn there so many times. But do we really appreciate what it is that God is doing? So let's just turn back to the very first chapter, the very beginning, because you see, most truths that God wants us to understand begin at the beginning. And right at the beginning, God makes things very plain and very simple. You know, the Bible talks about the simplicity in Christ. And yet, man through his doctrines and his false teachings have confused the truth, and rather than being plain and simple, straightforward, as Jesus said, man has turned it into confusion, with many confusing doctrines which have no basis in the Bible. And the Trinity is one of those major doctrines because it denies the very nature and the character of God and man's ability to come to really know who the true God is. And because of that, the world is filled with false religions and religious systems that have nothing to do with the God of creation. God the Father, who created all things through Jesus Christ, who we read of 
throughout the Old Testament. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, let's just rehearse what God is telling us again through the very first book of the Bible, the beginning of our knowledge. So Genesis 1 and verse 26, we can read this. And this is absolutely amazing. And yet, it is so straightforward. And if we unpack this particular statement by referring to where God talks about this throughout the rest of the Bible, we can have an understanding. Now, if we want to turn to the religious books, if we want to turn to the theological teachings of today, which have nothing or very little, in fact, to do with the biblical theology. Biblical theology is where we go into the Bible and we gain all our understanding from the scriptures. Yes, we may need some helps, some very important helps, that will help us to understand, such as the original languages that the Bible were written in, such as the historical background, the setting. But most of all, the message of God comes through loud and clear through all the settings that God has spoken to mankind through down since the time of Adam and Eve. Verse 26, here is God talking in the first person. And we know here that it is God, the one we know today is God the Father, and the one who was the Lord, God of the Old Testament, who became Jesus Christ. Now, after God had created all the animals, he created Adam and then Eve. But let's read that. And God said, let us, and we know that refers to God the Father and God the Son, God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, he did not become Jesus Christ until he was born of his mother, Mary, but conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean the Holy Spirit is a person and was the father of Jesus Christ? Now, how ridiculous that is. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Because God is the Father of Jesus Christ. So that seed, which was Jesus the Christ, planted in Mary's womb, was planted there. It was the, let's put it in language that is quite plain, the sperm cell, the Father, it came from the Father, and he planted that in Mary's womb in order to grow the process which God had set in motion. And God said, let us make man. But he didn't stop there, did he? What's the next phrase? Let us make man in our image. In other words, in the image of the Father and the Son as we know them today. Back then it was uh, God, and the Hebrew word was Elohim, and the other was the Lord, which was Jehovah. So it was Elohim's Jehovah. In other words, the Lord, which was or belonged to God. And as we know today, the God family 
And the doctrine of the Trinity, saying the Holy Spirit is a person, denies the very beginning teachings from Genesis 1, an absolute lie, put in the minds of men and women who teach the word of God and deceive the whole world under the influence and the inspiration of Satan the devil. Continuing, let us make man in our image. What's an image? An image is a reflection or a mirror image that is identical in appearance to what is being observed or viewed, for example, in a mirror. We look at ourselves in a mirror. Sometimes we get a little bit of a fright when we see what we see, but we see a reflection of what we are. He continues, in our image, well, we know from this that when God became flesh in Jesus Christ, what did he look like? Well, he looked like you and me, didn't he? Human being, a man. And so we're told, we're shown, God reveals to us that his appearance, we are a reflection, we are an image of God the Father. Continuing, after our likeness. So let's make man in our image. So he's going to look like us, but also we're going to make him after our likeness. And that is talking about his mind, God's mind, God's character, God's righteousness, God's holiness, and eventually, after his kind, which is the glorious God that has created all things. Yes, what God is saying here, we are going to create a family. We are going to be creative. We're going to create a family that is so great that it is going to join us in our plan for the rest of eternity, for the rest of the universe, in as far and as much as what we know God's plan is for after the resurrection and after the completion of his holy day plan. In fact, uh, if you have not read, and it's always good to reread some of these publications, but we have God's plan for mankind revealed by his Sabbath and his holy days. And another one which goes right along with what we're talking about here today is from a speck of dust to a son of God, why were you born? And it's all summed up in that book about what God is doing when we look at the statement which Paul reflects and mentions and quotes eight times in the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. We'll have a look at those. And so, again, in order to do this, what God is saying in Genesis 1, verse 26, he's saying, let us make. So God is making something with us. God is making something with mankind, with you, with me, and the rest of mankind today that are in a terrible state 
terrible condition of existence. Most do not have this understanding. It's only a small few that God has called out of this world today, not because we're special, but because of what God's plan is and because of what he is doing. Our part in this was to take God's call to respond to that and to obey him according to every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, as we obey or as we learn to obey every word and every law that comes from God that we can read of in the pages of the Bible, God then is doing this. He is making us after his likeness because all his laws are righteousness. They are holy and they are spiritual. Now, as we learn these laws, as we apply them, as we live by them, as we walk in them, that seed, which is the Holy Spirit, just like God planted the seed, his seed in the womb of Mary, and Jesus Christ was conceived in her womb, and he grew in her body as she feared him to the time, nine months later, when he was born of the flesh into the world, just like you and I were. Born as a man, destined to die like the rest of mankind. However, his death was so important, and why he died and the nature of his death is so important to the rest of humanity that the whole plan of God that is wrapped up in this one scripture, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, is explained. Let us make man in our image and our appearance. When God took flesh as Jesus Christ, we saw him as a human being. He died as a human being, but God raised him in power by the Spirit by God's own spirit, and after our likeness. So right now, for those who have been baptized, and of course, in order to be baptized, we had to repent of our sins. We had to understand the sin that dwells within. We had to understand, as Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, that when God looked down on the face of the earth, what did he see in the heart of man? He saw that our imaginations were only evil continually. Now, in order to repent, we had to understand that. We also had to understand what Jeremiah wrote through the inspiration of God. And what was that? Jeremiah 79. That our minds, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked and what he's saying here, we don't know that. We cannot see that. God has to reveal it. And Paul the Romans said in Romans 8 and verse 7, that the carnal mind, that's a natural human mind of all of humanity, cannot accept, cannot obey, and will not obey the law of God because it is contrary to the very nature within us. So we had to repent. Once we had repented, then we needed 
repented, which also means that we were prepared now to what it, do whatever God says. We've given our lives over to him. And we said, yes, God, whatever you tell me, I will do. And then for the rest of our lives, we're battling the downward pull of the nature within us until we take on the mind of God and the mind of Jesus Christ. And that's why we come to the subject about the inner working of God. So it was a process that God had begun. He's talking about back there in Genesis 1 and verse 26. Let us make him after our likeness. So God wants us to be of the same mind and the same heart as him. We know what happened. Along came Satan, deceived Eve. She ate of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, well, from now on, I can decide what is right, what is wrong. I don't need God. And so the rest of humanity have been, can't say blessed, but burdened with that decision. But God had a plan where we know he was going to send his son to rescue us and save us. Well, let's turn now to some of the scriptures which Paul talks about when he talks about the inner working of God's spirit. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, this is incredible. This is amazing. In fact, it's mind-boggling. In fact, it is so great that most human beings cannot accept this fact. They cannot accept this truth. They're not interested in this truth. But for those who God has called, repented, baptized, had hands laid on us, and when we had hands laid on us because we had decided we had committed ourselves to God, God put his seed, a part of himself, his power, his thinking, his mind, just a small portion, just like you know, the birth of a human being. That seed is so small, so, so tiny. And yet God planted this tiny seed within us. And just as Jesus, we know, and just as each one of us grew in our mother's wounds, those whom God has called, those who he has planted his seed in our minds and in our hearts, God wants us to feed that seed so it will grow. Galatians 5. The Galatian Christians were wanting to work out their own salvation. They were turning back to some of the Judaistic practices of Judaism. And so Paul, in Galatians 5 and verse 6, says this, because in Christ Jesus, the whole question was, should we be circumcised or should we not be circumcised? And Paul answers that question. But he says, because in Christ Jesus, neither is circumcision of any force. Now, pay attention to that word, any force. Nor uncircumcision. So to belong to Christ, to be a son of God, to be a brother of Jesus Christ, whether we're circumcised 
or not in the flesh is irrelevant because the circumcision of God is of the heart and the mind, which we can't see, but it is who and what we are. Rather, this is interesting, it is the inner working of faith through love. Now, the inner working of faith through love is only possible once we have received God's Spirit. And again, if we do not understand that we have to keep the laws of God, that we need to desire to keep the laws of God, as David said, when he said, oh, how I love I your law. He said, it's ever with me. He meditated on it day and night. God's laws, God's commandments, his judgments, his precepts, his ordinances and statutes. Read Psalm 119 in particular, and you'll just see how much. So it's the inner working of faith through love. But then inner working of faith through love is only possible because God planted that seed, a part of himself, a down payment of his own life. We were spiritually conceived, just as we were physically conceived by the seed or the sperm cell of our father in the womb of our mother, connecting with that ovum. That is a physical type of our spiritual calling and the beginning of our spiritual life. And the word conceived, because we were conceived in our mother's womb, we were not yet born, and the same image carries through with those whom God has called. Once we have the seed of God implanted in our lives and in our minds, we then wait for our spiritual birth. And as Paul told Nicodemus, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. So all those who believe in the doctrine of being born again now is false, it's a lie, it's deceptive, and it does not come from the word of God, but it comes from Satan the devil, part of his deception. As we know, Revelation 12 verse 9, Satan has deceived the whole world. The only way you and I, that we are not deceived today, is because... God has revealed his truth to us. Can we still be deceived in certain areas? Of course. And that's what we're fighting against. And that's why we need the word of God. That's why we need to study the word of God. That's why we need to look at every word that proceeds out of God's mouth, which we have in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Okay. Let's just have a look at one more before we conclude today, because... Uh, this is a subject that we will need to continue. Ephesians, the first chapter. So again, we find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. It's the inner working of God's Spirit. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Ephesians, the first chapter, and verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And yes, we do need to be praying for each other. We do need to be praying for each other in the love of God so that we can come together as one body, the body of Christ. 
throwing off all hostilities and anger and contentions that we have among ourselves. Not acceptable to God. Those are the things that we need the power of God's Spirit within us to overcome them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit. Yes, it will make us wise, wise in many things, but most of all wise unto salvation, because it's the Spirit of God that opens our understanding to the Word of God. Without the Spirit of God, you can only have an intellectual knowledge. You can't have that inner knowledge, that knowledge which is above human knowledge. The fullness of the knowledge of God and of Christ. And may the eyes, verse 18, and may the eyes of your mind be enlightened in order that you may comprehend what is the hope of his calling. The calling is to eternal life, to immortality, to holiness, to righteousness, and in the resurrection, to glory. God is going to glorify us because we chose and we endured to obey all his laws and commandments as we came to understand them. That you may comprehend what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now notice verse 19. This is the second of the eight mentions of the inner working. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? So there's exceeding power from God toward us who believe. And how are we able to believe? Because God is showing us. God is leading us. God is showing us the truth. As he shows us the truth, we rejoice because we appreciate it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? All the power of God in the universe is toward us. Primarily, why? To help that little seed that is within us, the Holy Spirit which God has sown, which is a part of his own mind, a part of his own thinking, and the way he lives himself. It gives us understanding, it gives us wisdom, it gives us knowledge. And as we obey him, the more we get to know, the more we get to understand, and the more we grow in spirit. And so that seed becomes larger as it grows. The greatness of his power, but notice this too, toward us who believe. So belief and faith. And because we believe and because we have faith, we also obey willingly according to the inner workings of his mighty power. The inner workings, do we really appreciate that? The power that's available to us. It is so great that it can wash away all our worries, all our troubles, so that we can have our focus on God's calling. It's so important. So we need to be thinking on these things, thinking about the fact that God has taken up residence 
within us, within our minds and within our bodies, within our hearts. And as we grow in the grace of the knowledge, it affects every fiber of our being. So that our cells, every cell in our body responds to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, before every cell in our body responded to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pretentious pride. Well, we'll bring it to a close there, but I would like to mention, just in closing again, if you haven't got the book, Why Were You Born?, please uh, do make a request of that. We can send that to you free of cost. And the other thing is, if you've already read it, read it again, because it has everything to do with your life in Christ and the life of Christ and the Father within you.